whoever didn't get to see it. It's a remarkable story. And uh, to think how far he's come. Amen. And to retain a sense of humor. Living a productive life. For God too. Amen. So uh it was it was good to see that and and I think it had to bring memories back for Brian and Bell. Not good ones, no. But all that you've endured and how God is faithful. Amen. He's a good God, a loving God, and a merciful God. Amen. I want to uh today we're gonna kinda take another uh rabbit trail and and as I have I've had this message for three weeks in a row and I haven't been able to give it, so you're just gonna have to wait, I guess. But today we're gonna do something a little bit different. Let me give you uh the central truth that I've been giving you for a number of weeks, and it's this. How many of you are believers, believe in Jesus? Well, the believer cannot enjoy true fellowship with God until he or she can stand in his presence without the consciousness of guilt, sin, or inferiority. This will require a mind that is renewed. Say renewed. Renewed. To the Word of God and an understanding that he or she is now the righteousness of God in Christ. So that's that's the, the objective. Now let me go on and give you another spiritual truth. Now listen carefully. If you and I as believers do not continually renew our minds to God's Word and who we are in Christ, we will succumb to the lies of the devil and believe that we will always be bound by our sinful condition with no hope of controlling our flesh. We will always feel inferior, guilty, and have a poor self-image. As a result, the devil wins and God's plans and purposes for your life will not be fulfilled and his kingdom will not be advanced. Dr. Hagen said years ago, the greatest need in the body of Christ is that the body of Christ renew their minds. Renew their minds. Say it again. Renew their minds. So today I want to... uh, In fact, I'm going to read to you most of the message because, and I've given this to you before, but you know, if the Apostle Paul can repeat himself, (laughs) so can I. And uh, I I think it'll be good for you, and it'll, it'll prepare you for the days ahead. Now, I was sitting there at my desk yesterday, and I've been thinking about this word, And this word applies to you and it applies to me. And it is this word and it's proactive. Say it with me. Proactive. I looked it up in Webster's. It's this. This is the definition. Assuming an active rather than passive role in doing. Accomplishing. Taking the initiative. Say that with me. Taking the initiative. Initiative means the action of taking the first step or move. Responsibility for beginning or originating. Here's a good, here's a good one. The ability to think and act without being urged. 
The ability to think on your own and act on your own without being urged. Amen? And that's the way we need to be in the body of Christ. We need to be proactive. We need to learn to think on our own. That's every pastor's dream that as sheep, they engage their brains. They use the brain that God gave them. Amen? And then act on what they know. I want you to look at Ephesians 4. I'm going to give you three proactive scriptures. Three proactive scriptures. I'll read them to you and you can follow me. Ephesians chapter 4. I've read it to you again, but these are good for us. Ephesians 4, verse 17. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you've heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you... Put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God and true righteousness and holiness. That's what we've been talking about the last few weeks, about who we are in Christ, we're the righteousness of God in Christ, that we need to think that way. And put on the new man which was created in what? True righteousness and holiness. Now look at Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. It says, I beseech you, verse 1, you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, say you, you. say you means me. The inward man, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, and this is where I want you to see this. These are all proactive scriptures. We, the, as, you and I as the believer, we need to do something with our physical body. We need to do something with our mind. Amen? I was watching something the other night about the human brain. It's fascinating. And the man was in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, visiting friends. He was probably, I'm guessing, in his 30s. And he must have been at a party and with his friends, and, and uh, he jumped off the pool, the side of the pool, to catch a football, and landed in the shallow water and whacked his head. Well, they got him out in time, and, and then they took him back to his mother's, well, his mother took him to the, to the hospital, and they ran all the tests that they could, and they released him. He was laying in the, in, the, in the hospital bed, and he was looking up at the ceiling. 
And he saw these white blocks and black blocks in different, you know, configurations or whatever. Well, he got out of the hospital and they wanted him to stay with his mother for a week to watch him. And then he, some friend came and got him and he took him over to his apartment and there was a piano. And he sat down at the piano. And did you see this? He started playing. He'd never been taught. He now travels the world. He plays classical music. And it's savant syndrome or whatever. He hit his head. And something happened. I've been banging my head since then. But... <laughs> Nothing happened. Still can't play. Still can't play. But they talked this whole program about genius and about the human brain and how we use probably what? Not even 10%. It's a marvel, the human brain. But see, you and I need to do something with our brain. We need to be proactive. Amen? Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Here's the other scripture. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Say wiles. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Who's supposed to do that? You and I that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to what? Stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Now, this one of the, the, the best books. He, this man is, is a Greek scholar. His name's Rick Renner. I've read after him for many, many years. I've read this book more than once. And I just felt that, and I needed to read it, and I thought, well, if it's good for me, it's good for you. And he talks about this scripture, and so let, just relax and just listen to me what he says, because he goes through this. He says, why do we need this armor, the spiritual armor I just read? What are we supposed to stand against in this conflict? And Paul tells us, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the what? The wiles of the devil. What are the wiles of the devil? The word wiles is one of the three key words which you must know and understand when discussing the subject of spiritual warfare. So the three key words are this. Wiles. Say wiles. Say devices. And deception. It is impossible to have a correct and balanced view of a spiritual warfare without having an understanding of these three foundational words. The word wiles, the first of these three words, is taken from the Greek word M-E-T-H-O-D-O-S. It is a compound of the words meta and odos, pronounced hodos. The word meta is a preposition which simply means with. The word odos is the Greek word for a road. 
By compounding these two words into one, they form the word methodos. Literally translated, this Greek word means with a road. Say with a road. It is from this word that we derive the word method, but the English word method is not really strong enough to convey the full meaning of this word wiles. The word methodos was carefully selected by the Holy Spirit because it tells us exactly how the devil operates, and it tells us how he comes to to attack and assault a believer's mind. The word wiles is often translated to carry the idea of something that is cunning, crafty, subtle, or full of trickery. However, in its most literal sense, this word means with the road. So the most basic translation of this word wiles is simply with the road. By electing to use this word, Paul tells us how the devil put his cunning, crafty, subtle, and tricky deception to work. The word wiles plainly tells us that the devil operates with a road or on a road. What does this mean? Contrary to the common belief of most people, this means that the devil does not have as many tricks in his bag as he would have you believe. This word wiles plainly means that the enemy enemy travels on one road. He travels on one lane or he travels on one avenue. In other words, he primarily has only one trick in his bag and he obviously has learned to use that one trick very well. What is that one trick that the devil uses against people? Or perhaps we should more correctly ask, if the devil operates on one single avenue of travel, where is that diabolical road headed toward? These questions lead us to the second important word to understand when discussing spiritual warfare, the word devices. Now, I don't need to have you turn there, but I bet you under, but I'm sure you understand because we're talking about the devil's MO, his mode of operation. He comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. And he's the father of lies. Okay. He goes on and says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul gives us a clue as to where the road the devil's traveling on is headed. He says, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. The word devices is taken from the word noamata, which is derived from the word nous. The word nous in the Greek word is the Greek word for the mind or the intellect. However, the form pneumata is used by Paul in 2 Corinthians 2.11 carries out the idea of a deceived mind. Specifically, this word pneumata denotes the insidious and malevolent plot of Satan to fill the human mind with confusion. Ever been confused? The word devices actually depicts the insidious plots and wicked schemes of Satan to attack and victimize the human mind. One expositor has even stated that the word devices bears the notion of mind games. With this idea of mind games in mind, you could translate the verse, we are not ignorant of the mind games that Satan tries to pull on us. Because Paul used this word devices to describe attacks which he himself had resisted, we know that even Paul had to deal with the mental assaults of the adversary from time to time. Even the Apostle Paul knew about the mind games which the devil tries to pull on people. It was for this very reason that Paul said, casting down what? Imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Is that a proactive scripture? Yes. 
The devil loves to make a playground out of people's minds. He delights in filling their emotions and senses with illusions that captivate their minds and ultimately destroy them. He's a master when it comes to mind games. Like Paul, we must make a mental decision to take charge of our minds and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now listen, we must stop listening to ourselves and start speaking to ourselves. We must stop listening to ourselves and speaking to ourselves. The devil always tries to manipulate our emotions and senses in order to pull a mind game on us. Therefore, we must speak to our emotions and senses and we must dictate to them and tell them what to believe. Now, is that being proactive? Is that taking the initiative? By considering the word wiles and devices, we must have now seen two vitally important things which we must know about the devil's strategy to attack and victimize the human mind. First, the word wiles explicitly tells us the devil travels with the road or on a road. This road which the devil is traveling on is obviously headed somewhere. Where's that road headed? The word devices clearly just demonstrates that this road of the devil is headed toward the mind. Whoever controls the mind also controls that person's health and emotions. The enemy knows this. Therefore, he seeks to penetrate our intellect, our mental control center, so that he may flood it with deception and falsehood. Once this is accomplished, then from this position of control, the devil can begin to manipulate that person's body and emotions. When this penetration into the mind is accomplished, and once the adversary has paved a road into that person's mind and emotions, the process of mental and spiritual captivity is well underway. If this devilish process is not aborted by the power of God and by the renewing of the mind, it is only a matter of time before a solid stronghold of deception will begin to dominate and manipulate that person's self-image, emotional status, and his overall thinking. This leads us to the third word, which we must understand when discussing spiritual warfare, the word deception. And I'm, I'm thinking about Val and Brian when you were going through this thing with Brad, which you had to deal with. The thoughts that you had to take captive. Even Brad, when he was going through all the, you know, the treatments and the skin grafts and thinking about, am I going to live? Am I going to make it? He did, didn't he? Well, it leads us to the third word, and it's this, the word deception. And before I read this, I want you to look at Matthew 24. Matthew 24. This is a good basic review, but I'll tell you what, we all need it. Matthew 24 Signs of the times and the end of the age. Now as he sat, verse 3, on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Jesus answered and said to them, What? Take heed that no one deceives you. Okay. That's one of the first things. He says this. 
The moment you begin to believe the lie the devil's been telling you is the very moment when those wicked thoughts and mind games begin to produce a reality in your life. The devil may assault your mind by repeatedly telling you that you're a failure. However, as long as you resist those allegations, they will exert absolutely no power in your life. If, on the other hand, you begin to give credence to these lies and mentally perceive them as though they're really the truth, those lies will begin to dictate to you and will dominate your emotions and your thinking. In the end, your faith is that lie will give power to it and will cause it to become a bona fide reality in your life and you'll become a failure. This is completed deception. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. Amen? Now listen. Many marriages fail because of allegations the enemy tries to pound into the mind. As long as those allegations are repelled, they exert no power in that marriage. However, when a spouse pays attention to those lies and begins to dwell on them, and they've taken the first, they have taken the first fatal step toward deception. For instance, though their marriage is in tip-top shape, a spouse may begin to have unjust, unjustified questions and suspicions about their marriage. This is clearly the work of the enemy to deteriorate one's confidence in his or her marriage. At first, the husband or wife absolutely knows that this is an outright lie of the devil. Indeed, their marriage has never been better. Yet the enemy continues to pound away at his or her mind. Your spouse isn't pleased with you. Your marriage is in trouble. This relationship can never last. It's too good to be true. By listening to those insinuations and giving credence to them, this dear Christian sadly opens the door for the devil to continue pounding away at the mind and to prey on his or her emotions. After a period of time, if the mind, battered and weary from worrying, begins to believe these lying allegations, their belief in those lying emotions and suspicions may empower them to become a reality. By mentally embracing such lying emotions, the believer opens the door for the enemy to penetrate his or her mind. And thus, the process of confusion is implemented. Mind games are set in motion, and that believer's perception of things becomes twisted and bent. If this seducing, deceiving process is not stopped at this point, it is probably only a matter of time before this weary-minded believer begins to embrace these mental lies as though they're really the truth. What is the end result of this? By falsely believing that his or her marriage is a failure, by falsely believing that his or her marriage is on the rocks, by falsely believing that they will die of a terminal disease, by falsely believing they have no future, this believer opens the door for the devil to take these suggestions and move them from the thought realm into the natural realm where they become bona fide reality. Their false perception empowered the lie. And the devil uses that false belief to create. Let me say that again. Their false perception empowered the lie and the devil uses that false belief to create. Perhaps the enemy has constantly bombarded your mind about sickness. Perhaps his lying allegations have repeatedly told you that you're going to contract a terrible disease and die an early death. When these lies first assaulted your mind, you resisted them and refused to believe what you were hearing. Now, however, you've begun to wonder if these thoughts may have some validity. If this process is not stopped, 
It will only be a matter of time until you truly begin to feel physically sick in your body. Do not give credence to those lying accusations, insinuations. When you embrace those mind games and perceive them as truth, you'll give power to them. When you embrace those mind games and perceive them as truth, you give power to them. Thus, if you do not speak to yourself and take charge of your mind, the complete process of deception will continue working in your life until finally the process is complete and your fears become reality. When this occurs, you are deceived. So these three things, the wiles, W-I-L-E-S, devices and deception of the devil are extremely important for us to see and understand, especially when studying the subject of spiritual warfare. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something. In these last days, there's going to be spiritual warfare. And it takes place in your brain, in your head, your mind, will, and emotions. And he says, for review, the word wiles tells us that the devil operates with the road or primarily with one avenue of attack. Secondly, the word devices tells us where that avenue is headed. It is headed toward the mind. Once that road is paved into the mind, the enemy begins to regularly travel in and out of one's mind and emotions to confuse and scramble the mind with wrong thinking, wrong believing, and false perceptions. In the third place, deception occurs when you embrace that lie that the devil is telling you. This false perception which you've embraced will empower that lie to become a bona fide reality in your life. This is completed deception. I want to read to you one more thing in, in, uh, that he talks about. It's a, it would be a great injustice to conclude this chapter without explaining what the, ne- the name devil means. Once you have, uh, have an understanding of this name, then you will know that it was the nature of the devil himself that was working through Goliath to intimidate the armies of Israel. Remember David and Goliath? The name devil is taken from the Greek word di- diablos, and is a compound of the words dia and balo, and the word dia carries the idea of penetration, and the word balo means to throw something like a ball or a rock. Literally, the, the, the word diabolos describes the repetitive action of hitting something again and again and again and again until finally the wall or membrane is so worn down that it can be completely and thoroughly penetrated. Thus the name devil is not only a proper name for this arch enemy of of the faith, but it also denotes the mode of operation. The devil is one who strikes repeatedly again and again and again until he finally breaks down one's mental resistance. When this mental resistance has been broken down, then he strikes with all of his fury to penetrate the mind and take that person's mind and emotions captive. This is how the devil works. This is how your enemy works. He repeatedly hits you with lies, suggestions, accusations, allegations, and one slanderous assault after another, another, and another. 
He tries to wear you down and then takes you captive in one of your weaker moments. Dr. Hagen used to say, you can't say any, if you can, you could probably say one good thing about the devil. He's a persistent cuss. He tries to pave, pave a road where? In your mind. And then confuse your emotions with mind games and then deceive you to the point that you actually believe the threats. And thus, you, your false perception empowers his lies to become a reality in your life. Hence the reason you must clothe yourself with the loin belt, breastplate, shoes, greaves, shield, helmet, sword, and lance that comes from God for the sole purpose that you may have explosive and dynamic power to stand proud and upright, face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball against the roads that the slanderer would try to pave into your mind. That's how he works. Amen? And so I I just felt that, especially as we studied the subject of righteousness, because most people, they just don't see themselves the righteousness of God in Christ. They don't see our Heavenly Father as Father God. Especially if you were raised in a family where you were not parented, you didn't have a good mother, you didn't have a good father. That's why you and I need to renew our mind to who we are in Christ. You've got to open the Bible. What's the Bible say? That's the ultimate word for you and I. Stand up this morning, would you? I wrote this down and just to kind of, you know, get us started renewing our mind. I can tell you, you want to hear something today? You want to hear the truth? Everyone here doesn't get enough word. Everyone here in this room does not renew their mind the way they should. I said everyone. That means me too. It means you. And if if you find yourself struggling with your thought life, if you find yourself confused and negative and the words coming out of your mouth don't line up with God's Word, it's a, it's a telltale sign you're not renewing your mind. I'm not renewing my mind. So what do we need to work on this week? And don't, and don't start like this. Well, I'm going to take six hours today and open the Bible. I'm just going to... Why don't you take 15 minutes? Why don't you start there? Start small and build up. Timothy Scott was telling me about, we were talking about that, weren't we? About how God was dealing with you about, you know, the Word and getting more Word. You see it today, folks? Because if you and I don't do it, He's going to try to pave a road into the mind. And if we entertain those thoughts of defeat and discouragement and sickness and disease and premature death, you start believing it. It'll come to fruition in your life. Say this with me. I'm a child of God and refuse to listen to the lies of the devil. I purpose to renew my mind daily to God's Word and who I am in Christ. 
The Father loves me with an everlasting love, and I am more than a conqueror through Him that loved us. God who is rich in mercy, for His great love with which He loved us, has raised me up together and made me sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I am confident of this very thing that He who has begun a good work in me will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I encourage you, you know, get scriptures like that. David had to do it. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Speak the word. The Bible says, declare and decree a thing and it shall be established for you and light shall shine upon your pathway. But you and I have to be proactive. Look at your neighbor and say, you better be proactive this week. Amen. Father, I bless this group today. I thank you, Lord, they're not just hearers of the Word of God, but they're doers. So this week, they're going to work on renewing their mind to the Word of God. I thank you, Lord, the good work that you've begun in all of us, you will complete and finish that good work that your Son, Jesus Christ, might be glorified. And so, Holy Spirit, help us this week. Inspire and encourage us. Open our eyes to the Father's Word so that we might grasp and understand it and apply it to our lives. You're a loving Heavenly Father. So thank you, Father. The future's bright for those who renew their mind to the Word of God. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. I, I, I don't know about you, those three words help me. I don't care where you're at in your spiritual walk. Amen. Does anyone need prayer for your physical body before we dismiss this morning? We're all healthy. Congratulations on 29. How long have you been together? How That means you got how many more? <laughs> that just kind of makes my brain go up tilt. That's remarkable. But I know God's involved in, in your life. And that's why you've been together a long time. Amen. Amen. Well, anything else I need to announce? Wednesday night, Kathy and I are not going to be able to be here. But you'll be here. Where are you going? None of your business. <laughs> Just not going to be here Wednesday night, but we won't work you too hard. God bless you and thank you.